Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work, a podcast all about the intersection of Apple, technology, education, business, and everything in between. This week, for our final part of our series on his legacy career in education, I have my good friend Fraser Spears back to the show. Fraser, welcome back uh, to the show. Hey, Bradley. Nice to be with you again. So this is episode three, and we were talking about how we would kind of end this. And um, you, you and I have podcasted for, you know, I don't, we podcasted for five years together. So you and I have talked a lot, have met in person once. Obviously, you live across the pond, a long way away from uh, me. But, you know, we both left, left like storied, kind of not storied careers from like a, um, we did a lot, but like the world changed a lot and mm-hmm. how, and kind of how we leave that and how you move on. Um, the first, my first school year out of education since, um, 2008 was, is just wrapping up and, uh, and you're finishing up your final school year. So I thought it would be fun to kind of talk about, you know, what, what's your school doing now? How are they structuring things? Uh, and then, you know, what are your, what are your hopes and dreams for them going forward? Yeah, so the, the it's an interesting conversation this one, Bradley, because um, what we're doing now is we're outsourcing the management of our iPad program from something that we did internally to something that essentially um, many value-added resellers can supply this kind of kind of product now. And what seems to have happened in the in the ten twelve years that since we started talking about this kind of stuff is that. Um, what I had invented as a kind of weird hack that wasn't really practical um, has now become a product that you can more or less just buy off the shelf, right? Um, now, <laughs> I, I want to go back just and, and tell you how we did that first uh, deployment because it, the idea is absurd um, that this ever worked, never mind actually worked reasonably well. Um, we had we had a Mac Mini, right? And that Mac Mini ran three concurrent user logins on three different user accounts on on the mini. Each one of those user logins was logged into a different Apple ID and every one of them was running its own instance of iTunes. So you get three people logged in concurrently to this Mac mini, each one running its own iTunes instance. And then throughout the school, we had three groups of four other iMacs, each of which were also logged into iTunes and that Apple ID. And those were running, you remember, do you remember iTunes home sharing? That was a feature in iTunes years mm-hmm. ago where if you downloaded a binary of, of a music music or movie or app on one computer, iTunes home sharing would cop, automatically copy that binary out to all the others. Um, so we had these sync stations in different classrooms and, and classes would have to go back to individual classrooms and that was their computer and they would sync their iPad manually with a cable with that instance of iTunes and that would get the apps onto the iPads. That was how our first deployment worked, right? And you can imagine that that requires me to basically be running about the school, daft all the time, trying to trying to just keep it working, you know. And it actually did. For to be fair, it did work because what we would do is, if somebody wanted an app, I would buy it. I would log into each of those three accounts on the Mac Mini on my desk and buy the app, and then it would sync out. And that was like way before we had volume purchase or anything like that. And it was not strictly within the terms and conditions of the iTunes store to do that at the time. But but that was how the first thing worked. And nowadays, what happens when I was talking to the team that we're working with now, um, we're on the phone and he's like, yeah, um, just uh, just go into Apple School Manager and make us an account uh, that's an administrator account and we'll take care of the rest. And that was basically it. You know, we I had kept our Apple School Manager going, um, but there 
They're now, you know, setting up a Jam School instance. They're going to connect it with their Apple School Manager. The iPads they supply are going to be enrolled in, in device enrollment program. We'll get them shrink wrapped. We'll unwrap them, and they'll be ready to roll from that time. And all I need, the only other thing I need to do is set up a, an open network for them to do the enrollment once they come out of the box. And you know, we are really living in in a zero touch deployment world. You know, I had just about got there with zero touch around about twenty nineteen. Um, with our last deployment, that wasn't even 2019. 2016, maybe? 2016. Something like that. But um, that was the start of our for our last iPad deployment. Um, just about got there. I was down to doing about one one um, iPad per minute on average. Um, but nowadays with device enrollment and all this stuff, you know, you can really lock up. That's one of the things I really like about an iPad deployment is you can be really confident that um, that life, the ownership life cycle is really taken care of up to the point of disposal as well, um, out the factory, you know, that essentially out the factory that can work. So so that that's how we're doing it now is we're, we're outsourcing that to a company who are going to manage it for us. They're going to create various profiles. And the other thing you can do, of course, as you know, Bradley, is you can, you can delegate certain levels of control. Okay, so for example, eventually it will come back to the school that some teachers will be enabled to, you know, deploy apps to certain groups of devices, stuff like that. You know, a very simple administrative task that teacher can take care of, but obviously not, you know, writing new profiles and stuff like that. That's, that's more, more sophisticated. Um, so that, that's where we're going with that now. And, and it's, it'll be interesting to, in a way to become like most schools, because that's what most schools do is just buy the service and, um, and, and, some value-added reseller does that for them. Are you all going to have someone on site, like maintaining the network, adminning the email system, things like that? Um, yeah, so our email system is Google Workspace. So, so the company that are going to manage your Apple School Manager are also going to take over our Google Workspace um, management as well. Um, so they're going to manage all of that side of life. Uh, you know, creating new accounts for for new users and all that kind of stuff. Um, the question of what happens to the Wi-Fi is a little bit interesting because um, the 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 school is run by a church group, and the way I set up the Wi-Fi is that it's the same unified controller for both the church buildings and the school. So we've got multiple sites hosted in the one controller. So I think at the moment I'm going to just keep control of that because I, I do the work for the for the church anyway. Um, so I think I'll just keep that, but. I mean, as you know, Bradley, it's, there's not a lot of work goes into a Wi-Fi network on a, on a day-to-day basis. So um, in time to come, we might split that out and, and separate it out. But probably that will happen with the next refresh of the Wi-Fi hardware. Um, but for now, it's, it's a low. I can do it on a volunteer basis, essentially. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Mosul. Deploying, managing, and protecting Apple devices at work shouldn't be difficult or require several solutions. Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, internet privacy and security, single sign-on, enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform, businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, and protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for businesses of every size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial today and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple NDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. Again, that's business.mosul.com, M-O-S-Y-L-E.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. Yeah, that's that all has gotten a lot easier to, to maintain. And I think that's the yeah. theme of all of this is like some of the things that you and I were on a smaller scale were having to kind of plow a path forward. Now there are 
really known solutions for the best path. I mean, you mentioned like the downloading an app on three different accounts and putting it on 30 different devices. Like, yeah, that's a, I mean, you would, everybody knew that was against the terms of service, but if you talk to Apple at the time, like that's what they would say to do. Like they didn't have a system here. Like they would say, yeah, that works because it would let you do it. Yeah. And there was no volume purchase program. There was no way to do this. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was even thinking, you know, we're this year is the 10th anniversary of Apple configurator 1.0. Because um, wow. that was released, that, that was released in, in 2012, and it's you know really come a long way. And, and again, you look at like what Apple School Manager can do, um, you know. And th- there was a time period where like schools would, were deploying a free MDM. Remember, Meraki used to offer a free MDM, mm-hmm. and plenty of schools were going with that. Then they kind of got yeah. the rug pull where it went away. And you know, it's just like things were. It was harder to know like, hey, how do I not screw this up? You and I did a deployment series where we talked through things, and now th- it's really much, much easier. And I'm not saying that every school should like outsource all of that, but like I would have argued five, six years ago, that was a mistake to do that. But now like everything, it's not like you have to be innovative to figure out the best path on this stuff. It's a known solution. Just like if you want to outsource your custodial staff to a company, well, I mean, it's, it's a known thing on what you want them to do every day. And it's not like there are pitfalls where, you know, it screws up. And again, Apple's come a long way with how their accounts are managed. And again, things are a lot more turnkey. And that's really, really good. You know, when I left, um, and it, you know, I think the thing you realize, um, and it's easy when you're the person leaving, when you have somebody that's been there for a long time, you know, you've been in your school for a long time, I've been there a long, for a long time. It's impossible to replace you at what they're paying you for what you do. If that makes sense. I'm not saying like I was underpaid or you were underpaid, but there is this built-in knowledge that like mm-hmm. I know I knew where something was within 30 seconds. It might take the person replacing me three hours to figure that out. Yeah. And so the amount of things I could do in a day is not fair to expect a newcomer to come in and do that. And so like the, the headmaster at my kid's school, like he does the admissions, he's technically over you know HR. I mean, but if you if when he ever left, you're almost gonna have to like hire three people to replace him because he just, he, he's done it for so long. It's kind of second nature to him. He doesn't have to think through admissions that much. He just knows what he's doing. And I think, I think like some schools run into that rut and they've had a long time technology person leave and they're like, Oh wow. Like this person managed the school information system, did the Wi-Fi, did the devices, did all the troubleshooting, did the AV. Oh, that's actually a lot. And then you look at other schools that maybe have a little bit more turnover and like they have one person that's, that's like three different roles. And again, smaller schools, you certainly, that you just kind of wear more hats, but it, it doesn't make it any less harder to hire for because like when I was leaving, the person coming in didn't have the knowledge of like 12 years of knowledge that I had of building all that stuff up. And like, I didn't have to learn all that stuff overnight in one day. And like a week after I'd left the, uh, ubiquity, like the he is a Friday night. He texts me, he's like, Hey, the camera, I, I did a firmware update on the cameras, and like, they're not coming back on. And what well, turns out, just like the ubiquity, well, he tried to reformat the the unified camera, uh, the NDR, and it just wouldn't work. I was like, Hey, just gonna buy another one. And he was like, Why don't you talk to somebody? I was like, I mean, no, just order it. Like, I, I think, I, I think I may have even, even like still had the Udify login to the store and just like bought it and put it on the headmaster's card. But, and like, again, that didn't even work there, but it's like, the cameras are down, so you're just going to spend the money to get them. And I think mm-hmm. now I even said you probably you probably should have another one as a backup. Uh, probably not a bad idea now that this has happened. But like that's the kind of stuff. Like I don't, I didn't think too hesitating of like, okay, this is clearly not working. We're just going to buy a new one. But it's that innate knowledge that you have. Uh, and so, and like again, you know, when when the person that replaced me, like I really, 
uh, on a volunteer basis because my kids are, in, are still in school. They're like, I still, you know, still paying the school a lot of money because uh, private school is not the most inexpensive thing in the world. I wanted this school to succeed. And, and so as he would have questions, he would text me and I, he would say, I would say, well, like, you know, here's go look, go look here. I think that's there. And I never went up there and helped him do things, but I could always point him in the right direction or at least say like, Hey, call this person and tell them I said this. And then that'll get you on the right path. But yeah. as the year went on, he texts me less and less, less and less, less and less. And then like now, um, like last time he texted me was a few weeks ago. It's like, Hey, do you remember where the, uh, like we would print our own kindergarten diplomas in house. So do you remember the, the template is, I said, well, if it's in Google drive, if it's not in Google drive, then I don't know where it's at. But that's like the last thing he texted me about. And so really at this point, the only thing he hasn't done is kind of like roll the school year over to the next year. Mm. Uh, Cause I did that before I left. And so it's like, he's kind of gone through a year of everything. And that's, I think where as a teacher or school admin or an, uh, any sort of admin position, once you've been through a full year, you kind of see everything and everything gets a lot easier after that. And I, and I think, you know, whoever is replacing you, um, on the admin side, we'll probably have some of that as well. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. And, and it's the kind of thing where, um, you, like you say, once you've been through it once, you, you've seen most of the things that happen. So there are things that happen once a year in a school's life. You know, there are things that happen every day, you know, very quickly. Everybody knows how to take the register, all that kind of stuff. And if that's broken by this third day of the year, you're in trouble. Whereas, um, you know, the more esoteric things like, rolling people into the next level of your organizational unit and Google workspace happens once a year, you know, that kind of thing. Um, what, what I've been doing a little bit, Bradley, which is quite interesting is I've been looking at some of the more sophisticated automations that I've done and I've actually been dismantling some of them. Um, and the reason being because from time to time, I think probably I've, I've been slightly gilding the lily on some of this stuff, you know, and yeah, I, I can do things like, um, from our spreadsheet that does our register, I can produce a, a, a webhook that goes into Google Chatbot and every every morning and every afternoon it sends a chatbot message to a particular uh, chat space in whatever it's called in, in Google Workspace that gives a summary of who's in school and who's not, right? I mean, nobody needs that, right? They could go and they could just look at the register and see who's there, but I wrote that partly for fun and maybe a little bit to show off and all that kind of stuff. But I'm actually going to disable that and delete it because it's just going to be confusing to the next person why that is, you know, and do we need it? Not really. Does anything depend on it? Not really. Um, it's just a nice to have. Um, and trying to trying to hand over some of the um, sort of more sophisticated spreadsheet stuff that I've done as well. Um, it's the kind of thing where that'll be fine until it needs to be changed until a new business requirement comes along. And then um, it's going to potentially be a problem for somebody to change that without breaking it. Um, and that's partly in the nature of working with, you know, making things out of sophisticated spreadsheets. It's like, well, you know, we could have bought an MIS system. It would be a lot of money. And we may yet have to buy an MIS system and outsource that as well. But I think that's the nature of going from startup to steady state is that in a startup, you have people like you, people like me, who um, we can we build things out of nothing. And we start things out of nothing and out of whole parts. Um, and we, we do that kind of stuff, but you can't expect everybody to be able to do that. And especially not people who like have come into education and they're essentially teachers, right? They are teachers. And you're like, well, which, which teacher is going to take over, you know, this incredibly esoteric spreadsheet? Well, nobody's quite got the skills to do that, right? Um, 
and they shouldn't have to have the skills to do that to work in a school, you know. Um, but that's where these resellers and companies come in and, and people turning these things into products is that up to now we've not had to buy any of those products because I could build something roughly equivalent out of, you know, Google bits and pieces lying about and Amazon Web Services bits and pieces lying about and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, when when you lose somebody with particular technical skills, you have to replace them by hiring a part of somebody else, you know, because you're not going to get a teacher who's got the skills or background that I have. And, it's, and I, I'm not saying that to be boastful or anything like that. It's, it's just a fact. There's not there's not that many computer science teachers to start with, right? It's hard to hire anybody to be a computer science teacher and then to find one that's got the same skill set that I've got is virtually impossible. You know, not because I'm an incredibly special person, but I'm pretty special, right? You know, there's not... I'm just talking about the specific combination because, see, when I was job hunting, right, I was looking for a new job and a lot of the jobs looked like um, do you happen to know Node.js, Kubernetes, uh, Amazon Web Services? And, and the companies would list their entire technical stack and they would go, is there any chance that you know all 15 of these things? If so, please apply to our company, you know? And you're like, what are the chances that I know happen to know all those things? Zero, right? <clears throat> um, so that's what was quite nice about hiring with 1Password is they were like, yeah, you know, you can program. We know you can program. There's some, you've done it in the past. We, we've seen some of your stuff. Um, okay, so you don't know Rust and you don't know Node.js, but, you know, everybody we hire learns this stuff on the job so, and we're pretty confident you'll do it too. Let's go, you know? And that was pretty refreshing. And I think um, it, it, that's the challenge in hiring, isn't it? Just to try and um, not, to be okay with not getting the same person that you're letting go. Um, and, and that's quite, and for us as, as a school, it's quite an organization hurdle, hurdle to get over is the idea that, it's not all those functions have to be there, but it's not the same person who's going to do them all. Um, and that that's going to be part of growth. I think it's going, it's going to drive the school into new growth. And I think it's going to be a really good thing overall. Short term pain, but long term, that's going to be to the benefit of any organization, I think. There is a benefit to like having employees stay for 15 years. And then there's a negative. And I, and I think, you know, if you if you looked at, you know, if you had three technology people over 15 years, you have a little bit of short-term pain when they come and go, but you'd probably end up with like better documentation, more things written down. And I think that's the challenge of like when you're there at the same place for 10 plus years is it's up here. It's like head knowledge. And, and it's a benefit to the school at the time because things are just done and things are handled, things are handled quickly. And like you said, there's a lot of you know automation you can do that like works while you're there, but it's also like, it makes sense why you would dismantle that. Cause it's just like one other thing that this new person has to deal with or new, new head teacher. And it's, just, it's a challenge. Um, and, I, and I think ultimately, I mean, you want, selfishly, we all want to be in a situation when you leave a job after 10 plus years where they say, gosh, we really miss you. Like, you know, everybody, none of us, none of us like hate hearing that, but then yeah. I also want to be in a situation where like, yeah, the new guy's doing great. Or the new girl's doing great. And like, mm-hmm. cause that to me says like, I left a state, something stable. Yeah. I helped them well. And like their thing, again, things are different. Everybody makes it their own. And I think that's the challenge. And that's, and that's where it's like good. Cause like I, when I left, we had, we're coming off the first year of new Wi-Fi, new cameras, new iPad deployment, new Mac deployment. Um, get the last Intel Max. Gosh, in hindsight, that sucked. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Apple Silicon ones are fantastic, but um, but like so, it's like he, the the new person will have like two years of like just maintain status quo. Like everything's set up in Apple, 
school manager, Jamp school set up working well. Uh, you know, we just, we just, I was able to hand that off and, and leave it. And then in a couple of years from now, he will have decisions to make. Are we going with Jamp school again? Do we go with it? Is there, a, is there a different MDM that suits us better? Is it cheaper? Is it better? Is it better suited for what our needs are? Um, is, you know, long-term is Google the best platform for us? Like I would argue the only other one is Microsoft, but then mm-hmm. any of that is going to have to be 10 times better, 10 times cheaper than Google was already free. And so like in the same thing, like, you know, when the Wi-Fi is time to replace, um, again, I think that happens less. I think that happens in a, in a longer life cycle now, but again, mm-hmm. like does, does Unify still make sense? Like I was, I would never argue that Unify Ubiquity was the best company. They had the best product, the price point we could afford. And, and so like, but again, maybe maybe there's a donor that's going to pay for Wi-Fi, and if so, do you, what what's the best one? Is it do you go do you go with Ruckus? Do you go with Extreme? Do you go with Meraki? There's like all those things that that person will have to make, and that's when you really feel like you've let it go. Is when is when you almost walk in there and like nothing there that you you touch. Like okay, all the computers that are deployed are now gone. The Wi-Fi is now gone, yeah. uh, and that and that will be sad. Like I you know that will be sad. Um, but it, you know, for me, there's a bit of sweetness to it. There's also like I have a kid graduating this year from um, fifth grade. What's nice, like I just get to go and enjoy being a parent, and um, so that's you know that that's nice. And I've tried to, I've tried to not um, exert my opinion on things. Like if I th- see something on the website, it's like not done as I would have. Not my, it's not my website now, so I just keep kind of keep my mouth shut, and I just you need to back away. And that's yeah. that's you know sometimes we are because again, these were things that you and I devoted, you know, a large chunk of our careers up at this point too. And, but you have to let the new, you really want the new person to be set up well for success because I feel like that is good for like your legacy and my legacy long-term. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm being given that role right now. And, and we've talked about transitioning back to iPad and I want to, I'm going to leave that with, you know, walk away with, from that with, you know, a, a pallet of iPad still on the shrink wraps, ready to go, but I'm going to leave that in the best position it could possibly be for something like that. And so that everybody knows who's the right contact for these things and all that kind of stuff. Cause you know, like, like you, my kids are still going to be there. And the last thing I want is for that school to fall apart technically. Um, as soon as I walk away and, and like you say, legacy is an important aspect, but it's, it's not, I'm not precious about it in the sense that I want, I want people to keep doing it the way I've done it. I just want to know that, it's not going to fall over the day I, I'm not there. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, we're now in a world where if you've competently set your stuff up and you've not done something really weird, then that should be possible for everybody at some level. Um, and I think we we saw this in the, in the sort of middle years of the iPad where people who thought they were going to beat the system always fell apart, right? So you remember there was when the early days of volume purchase, um, you know, you and I kind of went, well, okay, that's the way Apple wants it done. We're going to line up with the way that's done. And But other people were like, oh, well, I, I've got this other way of doing it where I only have to buy one app and blah, blah, blah. And it was like every one of those deployments, you know, fell apart at some point. You know, maybe not right away, but three years later when Apple changed the rule for the App Store or something, if you were on the supported path, it was okay if you had done some weird thing with Apple IDs, like I had done in the early days, but if you were doing this, you know, that was me in 2010, 2011. If you were still doing that kind of thing in 20, um, 2015, 16, 17, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, and, and I think there's, <clears throat> as long as your stuff is set up the right way for some value of correct, um, 
it, it should be possible for these systems to live on, technically speaking. But the other thing we need to talk about, Bradley, is like institutionally speaking. And one of the things that is not uncommon is, you know, you can have a good going one-to-one program in an institution, and when the founder leaves, that entire initiative gets reversed overnight, you know, or, or very quickly afterwards. Once the lease runs out, once a year's up, whatever it is, that a decision gets made that, oh, we don't need to be one-to-one anymore. Let's just go back to having labs or something like that. Or let's rely on the kids bringing their own computer to school, bring your own device, that kind of thing. Um, and how, how you avoid doing that is kind of a challenge because, like you say, you don't, you don't have that level of control anymore. You're, you're out of the picture. But what I hope for us is that um, we, I have built enough of a kind of practice and expectation that one-to-one computing is what we have. Now, we've gone from iPad to Chromebook. We're going to go back to iPad again. Um, it's never been, I've never been precious about the computer. I used to go out and give talks, and I would say to people, look, now that I've finished my talk to you about what we've done in our school, if you think that the magic is I should give a child an iPad and everything will be great. You've completely missed the point of the talk. The point is every child needs their own computer. And in order to do that, we were choosing iPad for this purpose. But the the great part of it is the access level, not the specific device. Now, iPad's got some stuff to recommend it. Chrome has got some stuff to recommend it. But in general, um, it's the one-to-one that's the game changer. And we've seen... Even historically, you know, there are schools that did one-to-one Windows laptops years ago and got great educational results from that because it's the one-to-one, not because, not just because it's an iPad. And it's a mistake to think you can only be successful with that if it's an iPad. Um, so, yeah, I'm hopeful that I've done that. Time will tell. It, it won't be up to me to decide, you know, are, is Cedars going to be a, a one-to-one school in 2035? You know, that'll be other generations of people to decide that. But it's not obvious to me that the need for computers is going down in the school. Um, you know, the way I put it to people look, is the computer is the fundamental intellectual instrument of our century. And if you're going to claim to do education without reasonably free access to that instrument, I'm not really sure what you're doing, right? Now, that's not to say that only you can only learn with computers. I'm sitting in a room full of books. Our school, we're, we're trying to become a reading champion school. We've done a massive amount of work to bring reading back as a thing that people do. Um, and great credit to my, my English department for doing that. They've done a super job. Our primary school teachers done a great job of just promoting and promoting and promoting reading um, and making that a cultural thing that we do in school. And that's on paper with books. It's not that, but... You know, we we do things with computers. We all do things with computers now. And it's not the only work. It's not the only life. But it's fundamental to our way of life in this country. And the children need to know how to do it. Um, and I, I, I can't see a intellectual justification for not continuing that now. I think we might possibly be over the crest of the hill with that. And it might be on the downward slope. I would agree that with that. And I think we've come to a place of knowing that the computer doesn't need to be the be all end all with everything. Like everything doesn't have to be a kid staring at a screen, but it's part of it. Like just, just as like going back to reading, like 
reading is fundamentally in every, every classroom you do technology will probably fundamentally be in everything that you do a little bit, but it doesn't mean that like we're promoting goggles on or, or literally staring at screens all day, but like it's kids are going to use computers the rest of their life. So they need to be, and again, what kind of computer they use today will certainly not be the one they use 20 years from now, but you have to kind of start them on the path of learning that. You know, I actually was, uh, I was at a conference last week and I heard someone in passing make the comment like, Kids today, like the the kids who are like in the early, early 20s, they don't know computers like like we did in our early 20s because yeah. we grew up kind of having to work on them and like have and like now it's like things are so easy. So they know how to operate them, but like when things don't work, they don't always know. And I thought that was an interesting concept. And like that's I don't know that it's a bad thing because it's like I don't know how to fix appliances, but I know how to use appliances. Like I, I can use a washing machine, but I don't know how to fix it. And I think it is means that technology is evolving to where it's not just for the people, the, the tinkers, it's, it's a tool. Where that's run into the sand, Bradley, I've heard this before, that um, in, in you know, college and university level computer science education, where people are training to be computer programmers, you're getting a generation of kids coming into those courses now. And, and this is where it bites is these kids don't know what a file system is. And they don't, they don't know how to structure and use a file system. And iPad has obviously abstracted a lot of that stuff, but not entirely. But you know how when you program, there's a lot to do with file paths and where things are on the on the drive and all that kind of stuff. And that used to be every computer user's bread and butter was where were your files and you had to organize that and you had to manage it and all that kind of stuff. And nowadays, you know, even, even I, right, um, my Google Drive, my secretary and I were working with some of my files, and I was like, you know, I wish, I wish I was ever been, I'd ever been good at organizing this stuff, um, but you know, I just said, well, Google Drive search is so good, why, I never really know where stuff is anymore, you know, um, and but kids who are growing up like that, at least I, I technically know how a file system works and I know what how to use it, but the problem that some computer science teachers are running into at university level is that the kids who are coming up to them have never used a computer with a proper file system or they've not spent much time on one. And even if they have, they've never really used it in anything more than a, a kind of search-based interface to files rather than a path-based interface to files. Now, I thought that was so interesting. And I'm not, <laughs> I, I, it'll drive a, a generational change in the way that um, programming tools are done. In the the programming, the development environment is going to have to, in some way, abs- itself abstract the file system, you know, and maybe that's long overdue. Actually, you know, I'm I'm not saying that's a bad thing either, but there's there's a mismatch at the moment between the the low level complexity of developer tools and the high level abstractions that most people are used to in their daily life. And again, not saying that's wrong, but it's just that the the computer science curriculums. Um, never taught you how a file system worked because the assumption was that everybody who was applying to computer science must know how that works and it's no longer true. Yeah, that's kind of mind-blowing, but it is true and I see how it's true. I mean, it again goes back to my dad said one of the greatest things, he told me this, we were all coming back home from a Braves game. He said, you know, your generation has a nice um, balance. It's like if you don't want to fix something, there's a thousand people that you can call to fix it. But if you want to fix it, there are a thousand videos on YouTube that'll show you how to fix it. And he said, we had neither. So yeah. no, that's actually a good. That's it, actually kind of a, an interesting way to think about his mm-hmm. generation to ours and then ours <laughs> to our kids. Um, so we kind of wrap up here. I, I think, I think, you know, I, I don't miss education. I miss, I miss the kids. I miss the, I miss the teachers. And that's, you know, the, 
working from home is great. Uh, you do. I, you know, I'm a I'm a social person, so I do miss the in person relationships, and I hope. One password does like, you know, team meetings and stuff. Our team at Cribble does that too. And it's been, it's helpful. Uh, that kind of makes remote work work. Cause you know, a lot of the things you do, I, I think one of the things that made me good at my job was not what I was good at technically, but I was good with people. And mm-hmm. that's a skill that translates into, into any job. And, uh, you know, as you kind of, I know you've got a couple of weeks left, um, you know, is there any final things you're going to miss or you, know, you think a year from now, what's going to be the one thing you're going to wish? Gosh, I wish I could still do that or wish you could experience that. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I've always enjoyed bringing my best learning to the, the to challenge young people. Right. I'm trying to explain what I mean by that. Right. A few years ago, I identified a problem in our school, which is probably true in many schools, which is that we would tell kids, go away and study this thing, chemistry, maths, whatever, go home and study this. And we would never tell them what that meant. We would never say, when you study, do X, Y, or Z. So I thought, we need need to bridge that gap. We need to say to people, okay, I'm going to teach you how to study so that when you go and sit in that chair, you know what actual activities you have to do. So spent, you know, weeks and months reading papers, reading books um, about what what does the evidence say about study skills? And I put together a course, which is a nine week course for the kids about how to actually study. And I, I brought that to them and I, I taught that to them. And for, for the kids who, like, let's say, for those who had ears to hear, that was incredible for them. You know, and I know it transformed some people's school career and that's what i really enjoy is taking bringing like the best high level learning i can that at the level i learn and work at and and turning it into something that young people can understand and access um and and that is something i'm i'm sure i'll miss but i'm sure also when i get to one password there will be opportunities to do that kind of thing for colleagues as well you know we have apple's developer conference coming up quite soon and every year there's a lot of learning to do um, from WWDC, and I'm hoping that one of the things I can do for the team at One Password is to assimilate all that information that comes from WWDC and help other people absorb and learn the parts that they need to know and bring that kind of skill to them as well. So, so that was always something that I particularly loved in education, and, and we'll, we'll probably miss, but hopefully find another outlet for it at One Password. Yeah, I guess you'll go from the summer being um, maybe a slow time of year for you to being probably a busy time of year ahead of Apple's fall release. Um, I didn't think about that. Yeah, your, your, your summers have changed. And that's been kind of my situation, too, where, you know, school is very much like landing an airplane. You get it up in the air in the fall and you land it in the spring um, and you're kind of good when you coast. But like, you know, in a traditional business environment, you have... You know, you know, have a major release here. You know, one password just came out with a you know brand new version on, for the Mac. Uh, mm-hmm. I know they're gearing up for a new version on uh, iPhone. I'm beta testing it as well. And so yeah. you'll have the, you'll have different different busy seasons, and um, and that's and that's been one of the interesting things about like trying to take time away. Is you know, in school it was easy to take a vacation when school was out, and it's it's take it's forcing yourself to take time off when. Um, it's still busy and everybody else is still working. One of the things I just did recently that was really helpful is I finally took off work email off my phone. And mm. that was really, really helpful. I took off like all I kind of, you know, just said, look, when I'm at my computer, I'm going to work really, really hard. I spend way too many hours in front of the computer already anyways. 
when I'm not there, let's not work. And if, and, and that's kind of our company culture anyways. Like no one said like, you must check your email on your phone. The rule is kind of been said, like if there's an emergency, somebody will call you and they always get my phone number. And so that's nice. It's like, it almost gives you the ability because working from it is harder to kind of disconnect where you don't leave the school building. And so there is an aspect of, okay, when I'm done, I don't have the tendency when I'm walking the dog to pull up my work email and something stressed me out. Like, you know what? I'll deal with it the next day. So, um, well, uh, Fraser, thanks for, thanks for spending the past few weeks with us. Um, this has been a fun series, a fun retrospective. Um, I know it's going to be probably a big challenge for you, uh, walking away into a, kind of a brand new career, but it's one of those, if not now, when? Very much, very much. And I think, you know, the great resignation is happening all over, you know, and, and lots of people are finding new jobs and companies are getting a chance to refresh. And I'm hopeful that um, my my moving on will be a, a positive for the school as well. You know, not not to say that, you know, anybody who leaves isn't missed. I'm sure people will miss me and people have been very kind and said so many things like that. But it gives a chance for some fresh blood and some fresh thinking, you know, and, and I think that's to the benefit of every organization to get that. So hopefully I can, I can bring that to one password and whoever succeeds me in various roles, like you said, multiple people in multiple roles um, can, can get their chance to revitalize a, a great organization and a, a school that I love. That's a good, good place to end it. Thanks everybody for listening this week and past few weeks. And as always, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, we always appreciate the review and we'll see you again soon.